Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. You know, I sit over there in my little cubby hole over there waiting to come and preach, and I just wanted to ease out this morning to listen to you sing, because uh, that blesses my heart so much to hear the church singing, and especially that message, because he lives, I can face him. Man, don't you love that? Don't you just love that truth right there? Uh, a friend of mine um, who's a pastor of a church up in Columbus wrote this morning, just this morning on Facebook about that, that hymn and how it's sometimes hard to get through that hymn, you know, and uh, because it's just so powerful to realize that we really can face tomorrow. There's nothing we're going to face if you know Christ. If you don't know Christ, I'll tell you, uh, I don't have much, uh, there's not much to think about and much to look forward to if you don't know Jesus. And that's why it's so important. And um, but I'm so glad we're together today, and I'm so thankful. Let me, one, one quick thing. I got so excited during the welcome, I forgot to tell you an announcement that's really important. Uh, y'all know that we have talked about uh, for several <coughs> several weeks now about receiving an offering today for the Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary. It's a great evangelical seminary right in the heart of Ukraine that is uh, in the teeth of the war right now. And they have been receiving for the last several, well, ever since the war started and the refugees started streaming out of Kiev and the other places where the fighting was the most intense. The refugees have been running for their lives, obviously, and the seminary has opened its doors uh, to anybody that come, could come in, wants to come in, needs to come in, and they've been receiving, as of a couple of weeks ago, they were receiving, I'm sure it's still like this, receiving three to 400 people a day into the seminary, uh, refugees coming in, they have a place to stay, they get fed, uh, they, there's a place where they can uh, be safe, uh, and, and obviously they're prayed for, they're ministered to, the gospel is shared with them. I guarantee you some people have gotten saved uh, when they've come to that seminary over the last several weeks, and they'll continue and the, uh, as the war continues. So certainly we're praying for Ukraine, but we really felt led. There's a lot of places you can give, a lot of, a lot of folks doing a lot of good work. Southern Baptists are doing a lot of good work right now in Ukraine, as well as a lot of other great organizations. But we really felt like we wanted to focus on that kind of pinpoint our, our offering. And so today we're going to receive an offer. Not right now, we're gonna, not going to pass the plates, but here's what I want to ask you to do. If you want to give to that offering, if you're going to give cash, then there are offering envelopes out here uh, by the, at the Welcome Center. Uh, there are Annie Armstrong Easter offering envelopes, but I, 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 I wrote a U on 200 of them, and uh, there's a U on it. So find one that's got a U and stick your offering in, uh, in there and then drop it in the box. And we'll make sure that that offering, if it just goes into the box, with that, not in an envelope, it'll go you know, straight into our general fund because we won't know where it's supposed to go other than that but if you want to give to the to the ukrainian seminary today we're it's just this is the only day we're going to do it uh then use one of those envelopes unless you write a check and you can obviously write on the check uh that you want it to go uh to the seminary but just let you know about that we hope that uh, folks can give today people have been a already asking me about it but that's how we're going to do that today if you give cash use one of those offering envelopes over here at the welcome center and uh, drop it in the box and and we'll be sure and do that so let's, uh, let's move into the message today. You know, they're even talking about that, even talking about the war and things that are going on all around our world. There are a lot of things. I don't want to have to tell you this, but there are a lot of things that disrupt our lives. Certainly that war 
has disrupted our whole world in a lot of ways. Um, and that, that war has disrupted people's lives tremendously in Ukraine and in so many areas, so many things. A lot of things disrupt our lives, and certainly death is at the top of that list. Death, I'm not going to dwell on that topic too much today for a number of reasons. Number one, I don't want to talk about death today but uh, because it's so much bigger than that, but I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to bring too many emotions to the surface with some of you, and I understand that this is this could do that. And I don't—I just don't want to get—I don't, I don't want to get too uh, morbid on Easter, you know. But it's—it's it's the reality. There's no doubt that it, on the uh, in the list of things that disrupt our lives, death certainly is on that list, and it disrupt it, and, and sometimes in devastating ways death can disrupt our lives. Uh, the news cycles and, and news websites and news reports and are all daily, daily filled with, I mean, if you grabbed your phone right now and went to Fox News or whichever one you like to look at, I'm sure before in just a matter of seconds, maybe even, I, don't, I haven't looked today, I don't really want to, but even, maybe even today the top story might be something about someone dying in a crime, in, a, in an attack in the subway in New York City or in or maybe one of our local news stations. It wouldn't be long before you'd read about a murder that's happened somewhere or a car accident that's happened somewhere or something like that. And so many things, disasters, natural disasters, tornadoes, man, we've seen, I mean, the, the, the storms that we've experienced over the last month and even today got rain again today and all that kind of stuff. And so... You know, people have lost their lives in natural disasters, all kinds of things, disease, lots of whatever, you name it. If while we are in this service today, if this service lasts about an hour, and it should, okay, it should last about an hour. If it doesn't, that's up to the Lord. But if, if it lasts about an hour, then while we are in here today, 7,000 people today, during this next hour, during the hour that... We're here today. 7,000 people around the world will die. 7,000 people while we are in this service, safe and secure and celebrating our risen living Savior, 7,000 people will go into eternity, either into an eternity in the presence of the Lord or into a Christless eternity in hell. And the truth of the matter is the majority of them will go to that very real place called hell. It's just a reality of life. Our own church family, our own church family is impacted all the time by death, whether it's one of our own members, whether it's the family member of our members, whether it's friends of people in this community. Uh, uh, Matt Hines' grandmother passed away this past week. Uh, Amanda Queen lost her grandfather just a couple of days ago. I mean, it's just, and I'm, uh, the list could go on and on and on. It's just a part, and, and so death disrupts our lives. But I want to tell you something, my friends. There is one death, <laughs> there is one death that was unlike any other death that has ever happened, and that was the death of Jesus. His death was unlike any other death anybody's ever experienced now let me stop and say 
it was very much like death because it was death. Let me be very clear about that. Jesus died. He didn't swoon. He didn't just pass out from all of his blood loss and all of the suffering that he went through. Now, he might have before, at some point, maybe in the process of being scourged and whipped and beaten and humiliated and all of that. He may have momentarily throughout that process, I don't know how his physical body could have stood all that he went through without there being some point where he just passed out for a little bit. or something. I don't know. The scriptures don't say that. But we know that when he was hanging on that cross and when he cried out to Telestai, it is finished, he was dead. Right, church? He was dead. So in, in a lot of ways, his death was just like our death, and that's why it's so wonderful. It's because the God of all creation sent his one and only son to come and be one of us, to bleed like us, to hurt like us, to suffer like us, to know what it's like to be in pain, to know what it's like to go through the agony of dying. And so when he said it is finished, and the word of God says that he gave up his spirit, there was no brain activity at that point. There was no heartbeat at that point. There, there was, he, he was, the, the medical definition of death is that death is the irreversible, I love that word, <laughs> irreversible cessation of all vital functions especially as indicated by permanent stoppage of the heart, respiration, and brain activity, the end of life. That's what you and I, unless the Lord Jesus comes back and snatches those of us that know Jesus away from here, what I just described is what you and I will experience at some point in our life, possibly today, possibly before I finish this sermon. And, and that describes what happened to Jesus on the cross when he cried out, it is finished. So his death was in every way just like the death that every person has and will experience. But his death was unlike any other death because his death was followed by a glorious resurrection. Amen? His death was unlike that. His death was not a defeat. His death was domination. His death was not a collapse. It was a conquest. His death was not a waste. It was a win. His death was not a tragedy. It was a triumph. And that's the glory of That's why his death is unlike any death that's ever been experienced. Jesus, now look, we know that Jesus, and folks, and, and you know, some of the skeptics will say this kind of stuff. You do know there's skeptics in the world, right? You do know there's some folks that don't believe this stuff. Ted just showed me walking in. Sorry, Ted. I didn't, woke him up there. But anyway, uh, Ted, Ted was walk, walking in church this morning and showed me a, a, a New York Times. New York Times op-ed from Friday, from Good Friday, that said what, Ted? We need to get rid of God. So you do know that there, you do know there's skeptics out there. To think we're idiots for sitting in this place today and doing what we're doing. But I'm going to tell you something. We, Jesus, but here's one thing that they do say, and it's the truth. We've got to give them this much. Jesus was not the only person to be raised from the dead. 
Okay, we know that. Jesus wasn't the only person to have been raised from the dead, but he was the most important of all who have been raised from the dead because with and plus everybody else that was raised from the dead ended up dying again. And so Jesus, without his resurrection, there would be no resurrection for those of us who know him. Without his resurrection, only our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, came out of that grave to be alive forevermore. And he is. Colossians 1.18 says that he is the firstborn from among the dead. And what that means is that the New Living Translation says he's the one who is supreme over all who rise from the dead. He's supreme. He is our supreme sovereign Savior. He is incomparable, indescribable, and incredible. He is unequaled, unmatched, unparalleled, and unsurpassed. There is no other Savior who is more powerful than him, more loving than him, more faithful than him, because there is no other Savior but him. He's the only Savior who came down from heaven to us, lived among us, gave his life for us, conquered Satan, death, and hell for us, returned to heaven to prepare a place for us, is interceding for us right now, and one day will soon return for us. He's the only Savior. He's the only Savior. He is alive forevermore. He is alive forevermore. And if, if, that's a huge word with two letters. If you will place your faith and trust in him alone, you too will live forever. Grab your Bibles, if you will. If you don't have your Bible with you, grab a pew Bible and turn to the Gospel of Mark. We've been in the Gospel of Mark over the last few weeks as we've been in a little sermon series you see at the bottom of the screen there the sermon series has been the time has come this this time (laughs) the time has come the time has come for us to celebrate this and we've been in the garden a few weeks ago we went to the cross last week we're at the open empty tomb today Next week, we're going to talk about what that means for us for the rest of our lives, but we're going to focus on the tomb today. I hope you'll come back next week and as we wrap up this, this sermon series. And then, by the way, just after that, just go ahead and give you a little heads up, a little mini commercial here. The month of May, I'm going to preach a sermon series called Homework. Homework. So for the month of May, I'm going to be focusing on the home and family and marriage. So we're going to do that on Sunday mornings. Then on Wednesday nights, I'm going to do a a series of studies on Wednesday nights during Refresh called Marriage Matters. And so we're going to take four Wednesday nights in in, uh, May and focus solely on marriage. And on Sunday mornings, we're going to focus on the family and other things. But on on Wednesday nights during Refresh, we're going to focus on marriage. So just to give you a heads up about that, that's where we're going. But Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Stand please and let's read this awesome passage together. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. (coughs) And very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Don't you think you would be too? 
And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. Say this out loud with me. He has risen. He is not here. And then he went on to say, see the place where they laid? But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb. For trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. May God bless the reading of this passage of Scripture today. Let's pray together. Help us today, Lord, by the power of your Spirit, to hear from you one more time, God, the old, old story, but bring it fresh and new to us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. So you take these verses out of the Gospel of Mark. You have Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you take these verses out of the Gospel of Mark, and you, you, you kind of harmonize them together with the other Gospel accounts. Because that's another thing that the skeptics say, is that, look, man, Matthew says something, Mark says something, Luke says something different, John says something different. Man, y'all can't even get your story together, but if you'll take them all, and you'll look at the Gospel story from those four guys, you'll see what's going on here, because their story, their their accounts of the resurrection encapsulate the most wonderful event the world has ever seen. And so you look at this, and so it's from, from the women going to the tomb. And I'm going to pull in some others from some, uh, some of the other Gospels. You may say, wait a minute, I didn't read that. But everything I'm going to tell you here it, it comes from either Mark or some of the other Gospels. So from the women going to the tomb to the angel descending from heaven to roll the stone away, to the earthquake that happened, to the Roman guards that passed out from fear, to the women running into Jesus on their way to tell the disciples after they saw that the tomb was empty, and then to Peter and John then running back to the tomb to investigate, to Mary Magdalene seeing the angels and Jesus, all of these combined to scream to the world that He is alive. And because he's alive, we can make this proclamation today. The application for the message today is very simply this. The resurrection changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. So let's talk about what does it change? Number one, it moves us from sadness to joy. The resurrection moves us from sadness to joy. Let's, let's think about these women from Mark chapter 16, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. Let's just kind of try to put ourselves in their, their shoes right now. And try to imagine the, emotion, the emotions that they're feeling right now as they're, as they're slowly walking toward the tomb where they're fully expecting to find the dead body of their friend and their savior, Jesus. Imagine what they were hearing. I, I told the guys this morning, uh, when I got to prayer time this morning, I was a few minutes late. I got here before 6, but it was later than I normally been getting here over the last 40 days. And the reason being, last night, I, <laughs> last, I, couldn't, go to, I couldn't go to sleep last night. I was so excited about coming to see y'all today and, and preaching today and being a part of this service day. I was sitting on my back porch until after midnight. I knew I had to get up at 5.15 this morning. I was going, Lord, <laughs> Let me go to sleep, but you know, I, but but I didn't want to because I was just spending time with him, and I was thinking about this, and I was praying about today. So I went on. And I just said, Lord, turn my five hours of sleep and make it feel like eight hours. And so I'm I'm doing okay, all right. And the Lord took care of that. But uh, so I got up this morning. I walked out of my house. Uh, 
walking over to my truck about 5.50 this morning, 5.40, this morning. And normally, y'all, y'all live in Florida. Normally, and y'all know where I, you may not know, I live right up on the end of 1st Street, uh, uh, just north of Cox Ferry Road there. And so normally, when I walk out, I'm hearing trucks going up and down Highway 49, just past on the other side of Tri-County over there. I can hear the trucks going up and down 49. And then po- folks are coming out in 1st uh, Street at a very high rate of speed in front of my house. Stop doing that. I got grandkids out of playing in my front yard. And so they're, they're uh, coming down. And so it's usually even at 6 o'clock in the morning. Y'all are going to work and all this kind of stuff. And it's usually pretty busy. I walked out this morning and nothing was going on. There wasn't a truck going down 49. Nobody came past my house for about four or five minutes. And I just stopped. And I stood there beside my truck. And I just listened. And I heard a robin singing. I heard crickets chirping. I heard a big old bullfrog behind my house. And I heard a dog barking off in the distance. And I just stopped. I just stood there. I closed my eyes. And I just said, God, this is what, this is what those ladies must have been hearing. As they were just kind of tripping into the, down the path headed toward the tomb. Imagine their emotion. Imagine what was going through there as they were headed to embalm, not embalm, to anoint Jesus' body. Because a lot of guy, a lot of commentators don't believe they were going there to embalm his body. Because, I mean, not to get too graphic, but you think about it in the Palestinian heat they they didn't have the modern things that we had as far as the embalming process and stuff like that so they would go anoint bodies with spices and things like that very heavily to try to mask the smell of bodies decomposing in the heat in that region of the world and so they were going to anoint him but they were doing it out of an act of love and service to their Savior. And so they're going there, and they, and then it's, you see there, they were also concerned. And ladies, you could understand this. Even us guys could understand it. They were concerned, seemed to be concerned about the heaviness of that stone that needed to be rolled away. I mean, who's going to roll the stone away from us, or for us? Who's going to roll that stone back for us? It's heavy. Who's going to do that? So they were concerned about the heaviness of that stone. But let me tell you something. There was another heaviness that was on them. There was another heaviness that they were dealing with, and that's the heaviness of the grief of the death of Jesus. They had personally, these three ladies had personally seen his suffering. Go back to chapter 15, verse 40. You can do that if you want to at another time, but you go back to 1540. They were standing there watching this going on. They had seen the blood. They had seen the excruciating pain. They had seen his agony. They had seen the gore. They had seen the ridicule and the humiliation of what was going on with Jesus. They had seen him. They had personally seen him breathe his last and give up his spirit. And some of us have been there before. We've seen a loved one breathe their last breath. We've heard their last words. We've seen their eyes close for the last time. And the heaviness of that grief can be overwhelming. Canaan. Some of you are there now. I even think that we pick up on their grief a little bit here when you get to verse 4. And it says, 
and looking up. I think the reason it says that is because you think about them walking together, maybe holding hands as they're walking down the, and their heads are down, maybe, <laughs> maybe tears are dripping off their face. As they're thinking about what just happened on Friday, and here they go. And they're walking, heads down, and it says, and looking up. <laughs> and looking up. When they looked up, when they looked up, everything changed. Because it wasn't long before they moved from sadness to joy because the resurrection changes everything. And they realized that, man, I visited with a church member just this past week who lost his wife of 52 years about nine years ago. I was visiting with him. He lives just across the street from me there. And we were having a cup of coffee together. And he said to me, then, when I asked about his wife, he said, I miss her every day. She was my best friend. And some of y'all know exactly what he's saying and exactly what he's feeling. And yet I want to tell you, because of the resurrection, our sadness is overcome with joy because we know that one day there is going to be a great reunion if... We know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and if our loved one knew Jesus, then my friends, we're going to see him again, amen? We're going to be see him again because the resurrection changes everything. It changes everything. It changes us. It moves us from sadness to joy. Randy Alcorn wrote the book on heaven, incredible book, and just this past week, just a couple of days ago, his wife passed away, by the way, March the 28th, just a couple of weeks ago, his wife passed away from cancer. And so Randy tweeted out just a couple of days ago, on Easter, my beloved Nancy won't have to say he is risen. She can look right into his eyes and say, you are risen. Because the resurrection changes everything. Listen, y'all, it doesn't matter how good a person you are or how good a life you've lived. It does not even matter if you were coming to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. What matters is if you truly know him, truly know him as your Lord and Savior. Because the resurrection changes everything. It, it moves us from sadness to joy. It turns us from fear to faith. It moves, it moves us from sadness to joy, and it turns us from fear to faith. Keep on going into the tomb, y'all. Keep walking on into the tomb with these three women. They step into the tomb. The stones roll away. I wonder who did that. And then they step into the tomb, and they see an angel sitting there. And it scared them just like it would for us. They had fear come over them. They already had fear because Jesus was gone. What are we going to do with our lives? And now they've encountered this angel, and fear overcomes them. But listen, y'all, the main job that angels have, the Greek word for angel, angelos, literally means messenger. So angels' job is to bring messages, and this one had an awesome message. Don't you think that the angels probably got in a little argument up in heaven that day when God says, I need somebody to go down there and tell them that Jesus is alive. Oh, I'll go. Hey, 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 I'll get you. Don't you, wouldn't you have loved to have been the angel that God said, you get to go do that. You get to go give that message. You get to go tell them that Jesus is alive. Man, imagine that. Verse 6 right there. Verse 6, look what he said there. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place, place where they laid. Man, that's the greatest message that the world has ever heard. 
And because Jesus is alive, y'all, listen to me. We don't have to be afraid of anything. Nothing. Nothing. I'm not ready for point number three yet. Listen, it, we're, it, we're not, it doesn't change. It, it, it changes us from fear to faith. So understand that there's so many things in our lives that scare us. There's so many things. Sickness scares us. Financial hardship scares us. The future of our kids and our grandkids. Can I get a witness? That scares us. The future of our nation and our world. Family issues. All kinds of stuff. And what does fear do to us? Man, it paralyzes us into inaction. It, 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 it brings this pressure on us. It just poisons our thoughts and it poisons our lives and it poisons the things that we do or don't do. Fear just can do so many incredibly negative things in us when we give in to fear in our lives. But listen, when we trust Christ Jesus to save us, when you give your life to Jesus and you live your life for him and with him, then y'all, we are set free from the paralyzing, poisonous pressure of fear. Because the resurrection, the resurrection turns us from fear to faith because He is our Savior and our sustainer. He is our provider and our protector. He is our constant companion and our friend. He is our fortress, our shepherd, our refuge. He is our way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. He's our rest giver, our joy giver, our mercy giver, our grace giver. Because you see, the resurrection changes everything. So you don't have to be afraid. If you're sitting here today and fear is overwhelming you. Because you don't know what's going to happen to your kids or grandkids. I don't either, man. Y'all, I don't. I got seven of them. One of them's graduating in just a few days from Clinton High School. Stepping out into this world that is, has the potential to chew him up and spit him out. Got six more that are going to be following later. Lord willing, come Lord Jesus. Amen. So, boy, if I, don't, if I don't have faith, and it's not because I'm a preacher, if I don't believe that this Jesus is alive and that his resurrection really changes everything, then I'm going to be overwhelmed with fear. And you will be too if you don't know Jesus. Because the resurrection changes everything. And then lastly, point number three now, it changes us from death to life. It changes us from death to life, man. These women left the tomb with the knowledge of the greatest event that the world has ever seen. They were the first ones to find out about this. They were the first one to find out, and they did what anyone would have done with that knowledge. They went and told others. They went and told. Now, this version says that they went and said nothing to anyone. That was, that was probably as they were going down the path going, oh, what just happened? But man, once they realized, they went back and told the disciples and told Peter and told, and, and they, they started spreading the word. And guess what? Because they did, you and I are sitting here today because for the last 2,000 years, people have been spreading that message. And now you and I have the responsibility and the joy to keep spreading that same message. But the resurrection changes everything. It changes us. And it changes us from death to life. Easter of 2019 was my last Easter at Countrywoods, Walt and Nancy. It was my last Easter as the pastor of Countrywoods Baptist Church. And I preached that Sunday morning. I have it written in my Bible. I write the date and t uh, place that I preach passage of Scripture. I know you do too. That way you can come up to me. After. You preached that one last year. But anyway, I know you do that. But anyway, so I, I, uh, Matthew, I preached on Matthew 28. Uh, 
Easter 2019, my last Easter at Country Woods, I had three points, and all three points were this. Verse 7, go and tell. Verse 10, go and tell. Verse 28, go and tell. That was an easy sermon to preach, uh, but that's it. Because we get to go for the last 2,000 years, that's what Christ's followers have been doing. They've been going and telling that Jesus is alive and that he will save anyone, anywhere, at any time. If you will give your life to Jesus all the way to April the 17th, 2022 at 8.58 on Sunday, Easter Sunday morning. That he will save anybody. Because this pastor stands and makes the same proclamation that those three women made that first Easter Sunday morning. And that is that Jesus is alive. And you need to know that. Because the resurrection changes everything. You see, the resurrection means that we don't have to be as sad. Look, there's nothing wrong with grief, but we know that our grief will be turned to joy. We don't have to be overwhelmed with fear because the resurrection changed everything. We've got the faith that Jesus is alive. And the resurrection changes everything because Jesus Christ came and he went, he went from being dead to being alive. And because of that, you too can be changed from being dead to being alive today. But let me tell you, the only way that will happen is if you come to him. He came out of that tomb. And now he invites you to come to him. And to be saved and receive the gift of salvation that he offers to anyone Anywhere, at any time. So today, man, celebrate. The resurrection changes everything. And for somebody here today, I want to encourage you to let the resurrected Lord Jesus come into your life and save you today. To change you from being dead to being alive. Because guess what? If you don't know Jesus, you walked into this room dead. Yeah, I mean, your feet were working, and your heart's pumping, and the brain is working pretty good. Maybe not as good as it used to, but it's still working, and you're still functioning. You're, you're hearing me. You're seeing me. You're, but you walked into to this place today dead if you don't know the resurrected Lord Jesus. And so I invite you today. To come and let the resurrected Jesus come into your life today. Some of you, some of you, all of us, but some of you in particular needed to hear that message today. You needed to hear that Jesus will save you today. And so I just want to ask you today, what's keeping you today? from making that decision if you know you need Christ as Lord and Savior what's keeping you from doing that you can make the most important the most wonderful the most life-changing decision of your entire life right now today on this Easter Sunday morning and so I invite you today give your life to Jesus the resurrection changes everything, and it can change you today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.
Father, thank you so much for this day and the significance of this day, Lord. I thank you that it is so much more than just a, a worship service, Lord. It's so much more than just one day that we come together and wear nice clothes and come and sing and be a part of a church service, God. So much more than that, Lord. This is the day that our lives can be forever changed. And so, Lord, I pray for any person that's in this place today or anybody that's watching this service today. Lord, I know there's folks that couldn't be here today, and they're watching today. And, Lord, there's somebody today that needs Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They need the resurrection to change their lives today. And so, Father, I ask you to convict them and show them that need right now. And if that's you, if you know you need Jesus today, if you know that you need to let the resurrection and the resurrected Jesus change your life today, then I invite you right now, this moment, right now, to pray with me and give your life to Jesus. Would you pray right now? If you need Jesus, pray right now. Say to him, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I am lost without you. So Jesus, come into my heart right now. Take control of my life right now, Jesus. And help me to live for you for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name. Amen.